evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, Golden Gold Press, and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL Championship. Tonight, we're going to talk about a draw that felt like a loss. Uh, <laughs> got it the second one in a row that was like that. Uh, and even more uh, similarities, if, if we're to be honest. We've got an interview with uh, Evan Villela to help us preview the match this Wednesday against Bethlehem Steel, or I guess uh, tonight, for those of you who are listening to this for the most part. And then on the weekend, a uh, a second match against Atlanta United, too. I think if you were going to look at this week, uh, you should feel pretty good about the Red Bulls picking up points in these two matches. But I'm sure I'll end up with my foot in my mouth. Joining me tonight... As always, it's Joe Steen. How are you, Joe? I'm good. A little bit under the weather, but uh, you know, I, I, I have apparently have a cold in the summer, which is completely uncommon. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, hopefully, this team can get back on track this week. I cannot hear uh, people talking about having like cold or flu-like symptoms in the summer without thinking of the book The Stand. So um, <laughs> uh, I'll keep you know good thoughts <laughs> for you. <laughs> Hopefully this is not an end of the world pandemic that is being started currently. Oh boy! If well, if it is, then um, I I've lived a good life. <laughs> <laughs> we saw the end of Endgame. Uh, Stranger Things three is out. It's okay if it ends now. It's fine. It's no big oh, deal. I mean, I haven't watched season three, so oh, get on that before <laughs> you've only got a little bit of time, Joe. <laughs> anyway, a little loopy. We're recording a little bit later than normal. Uh, I was on the USL show today. Uh, so go out there and, and listen to that or don't, you know, up to you, but I would recommend listening to it. Uh, some really good stuff. And especially about league one, if you, uh, are you, if you are at all interested in hearing about what's going on in the lower divisions, I would recommend that. Anyway, let's talk about the match from last Friday night. It was so frustrating and you know, all it, frustrating in all the ways that we expect a match against Ottawa to go. Early on, Red Bulls have the run of play. They get scored on in a just a horrific blunder. Uh, Alan Giannis and uh, Preston Kilwine are both going up for the ball. Uh, Kilwine calls Giannis off. You know, I think everyone in the stands could hear him calling off Alan Giannis. Alan Giannis does not hear it. They back into each other and fall over. That gives Carl Haworth basically free reign to run in on goal. He finishes near post. Down one nothing. And in the stands, you were there, and uh, I'm basically saying, okay, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Match ends up being a little bit crazier because not long after uh, Ottawa goes up, they go a man down after two yellow cards. And the Red Bulls finish out the half not looking great. They don't look like they're the team with a man up. They're they're a little bit listless in attack. They're playing very narrow. Second half, they bring on uh, Janusz Luba and you know Matthias Jorgensen after some time, and things looked a whole lot better. Still, really frustrating, I think overall. But uh, you know, what were your general takeaways? Uh my takeaways were pretty much what um, John Molniak said in the post game interview, which. Uh, I have not seen him that frustrated in a long time. Uh, and he could tell he kind of, 
we expected more with them being up a man because I believe he said it was the fourth game where they've been up a man this year and they haven't really gotten the result they wanted. And, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. They, there was no creativity. Uh, they really didn't. They really didn't look like, I mean, yeah, Vince, uh, Vincent Bezicourt, you know, hits the post on a counter and he hits the crossbar. But other than that, I mean, they really didn't seem like they were ever going to finish chances in this game and win it. And, uh, I mean, credit to Ottawa. They did a good job packing bodies in behind the ball and, you know, basically thwarting any any chances the Red Bulls had. But, I mean, it, it, it never really seemed like they were ever going to uh, – win this game even though the, you know they they had the majority of the ball in the second half they looked a lot better when they brought Jorgensen and Janusz Luba on but I don't know I I I know we I know we talk about you know how this team has scored a lot of goals this year and stuff like that and you know maybe they're in kind of a rut they usually around this time of the year go in a little bit of a rut and then you know they, they you know they don't score as many but you know, this week is, is a huge week because they need to pick up points or else they're going to fall even further behind. Yeah, other teams are breathing down their neck. You mentioned it. They did not look good up a man. This is, again, the second week in a row. It, and it's not anything new. We know that if teams pack numbers behind the ball against the Red Bulls, they're going to frustrate them. They're going to force them to have to break them down. I mentioned this on the USL show today that uh, Vincent Bezicourt getting back up to speed and seeing him on the field is fantastic. Uh, but it's not necessarily going to be helpful to this team, right? Because he is absolutely an MLS uh, player and he's working his way back up to fitness and to find a role with that team. And until he's really up there, uh, I think we're going to be seeing him at the two level, but that will be sort of at the, um, the detriment of guys like Jared Stroud, who they're, they've been grooming in the middle of the park and, uh, uh, John Christophe Kofi, uh, who's obviously another talented attacking midfielder. And uh, it makes it a little bit difficult. And, you know, that's part, I think, of the the deal of of the MLS two sides in general, and especially at Red Bull. But it, it's a little bit disheartening. One thing I want to touch on uh, is Alan Giannis. We've watched him now only in a handful of performances. He really has had trouble cracking the lineup this year but every time he has it, it it the returns are not good he's he's dropped tremendously from what he was last year and i don't know if you know maybe there's some lingering injuries or, or some other factor but he's he's having a really difficult season yeah i mean especially though you mentioned it with him and killwine colliding everybody in the stands could kind of hear killwine calling him off and then i mean obviously um Otto was able to score off that, but I, yeah, you've touched on it. He really hasn't looked like the same player. Uh, he's been he's been poor defensively. I mean, there were even times where we watched when we were watching the game on on Friday where he was open on the left, and uh, they were just leaving him open because they kind of knew that um, he's not been playing his best, or he hasn't been playing his best. And I mean, Ottawa just pretty much ignored him on the left a lot of the game. I mean. He's looked very tentative. I mean, he gave the ball away a lot in this game. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is lingering injuries. But, yeah, he has not looked like the same player that he was last year. Otto left him alone out there, and so did the Red Bulls. And I think, uh, I don't remember if it was you or Eric Friedlander was sitting with us, but one of you mentioned, like, they got to get him out and bring Loba on to get a little bit more width. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. It was 100% the case. Once they did... 
it stretched Ottawa out a little bit, which eventually led to the, the goal that they did score. But just in general, it looked a lot more productive. Same thing with um, uh, Sebastian Elney. We talked about him in the past about uh, in terms of what we've seen from him on the wing has been a little bit more productive this time out. It was almost like he was playing as a, a, a two up top with Matthias Jorgensen. And I think that brought the best out of both of those guys. But, uh, you know, just failed to pick up that that goal. Kyle Zayetz gets, what is that, his fourth of the season now? Yep, fourth. Unreal. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's he's the, the unsung hero of the first half of the season uh, so far. Uh, big goals when the team has needed it. And, uh, you know, I think his his progression is is probably the the brightest spot for the team right now. Obviously, also, when you talk about uh, the defense and, you know, Jordan Scarlett and the work that he's done this season and how much better he's looked this season is really great. Uh, But, you know, for for Zayats to step into the team as, you know, an undersized player playing a very physical position uh, in a demanding uh, style that the Red Bulls play. Uh, He's been fantastic. So we talk about man of the match. I'm giving mine to Kyle Zayats. I think I'm going to have to agree with that. Uh, It's been, it's been fun to watch him progress. I mean, he stepped in when Kofi went um, had his injury and I mean, he's really not relinquished that role. I mean, like you mentioned, he's not afraid to, to, you know, to be physical with players, even though he's undersized. And I think he's really come a long way. Yeah. Um, Touching on some things moving forward. We know that uh, Kofi will be back and available for selection this coming week. So that's going to be, I think, a boost for the team. Ben Mines is healthy and uh, contributing, which also will, I think, help things. And uh, Amarildo should be back up top. He's been practicing. He's been on the bench. Uh, so it's just another option to have. And I think just overall, with that really difficult Gold Cup stretch ending and you know more players getting healthy, that, that things will equalize a little bit. But it's definitely been a rough couple of weeks, uh, including the match that was canceled. And uh, <laughs> they, they were definitely on the wrong side of that one as uh, heading into halftime. So... You know, maybe better that that one was called for them and they could shake that off. And, you know, over the next couple of matches, and we'll obviously talk about these in detail later on, you have games against Bethlehem, Atlanta 2, Memphis. Those are three matches they need to pick up maximum points in. Uh, Following that, they've got Tampa Bay, yes, at home, but still Tampa Bay, St. Louis, uh, Hartford and Pittsburgh over the next four after that. That's all difficult. Going on the road against Hartford maybe is probably the easiest one there. Or not maybe. It's definitely the easiest one there. Uh, but, you know, the time is now. And if they want to keep that position like you were talking about, they really need to pick up the points. Tampa Bay gave them a window to kind of creep up on them uh, a couple weeks ago. And since they really haven't been getting the job done, Indy 11 snuck in took second place. North Carolina's breathing down their neck. Uh, Nashville and Louisville are both doing that. Even Ottawa. Uh, had Ottawa won that game, it would have been disastrous for the standings yeah. for the Red Bulls. But, you know, they, they definitely need to start picking up some points. And I think John touched on this after the match, that whatever they did this past week, it wasn't good enough, and they're going to fix it. So that that's definitely encouraging to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts before we head out into the break? Um, 
I think uh, I think Preston Kilwine's uh, also coming uh, coming along very well. Um, I thought he, except for the mistake on uh, with him and um, him and Giannis colliding, I thought he had a pretty good match as well. Yeah, he he does a really nice job commanding the air. I brought it up before where I like. Uh, that he's willing to try to break down the lines with his passing. It's not always it's not always coming off for him, but he's also not getting discouraged, which I appreciate. So there's definitely some good stuff there. Um, okay, We're lightning fast for a segment. <laughs> we will be back uh, when we do come back. You'll hear my interview from yesterday with Evan Villella of the USL Show and Views from the Bridge, uh, talking Bethlehem Steel. So stick around. We're back. We're joined now by a very special guest. He's going to help us preview this match against Bethlehem Steel. I feel like maybe not every time they play Steel, but certainly a, a good number of those times we get Evan Villella, host mm-hmm. of the USL show. Uh, you yep. can see his work at Views from the Bridge. Evan, yep. thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joe. It's always nice to be here. <laughs> I I don't know if I would agree with having to put up with me, but... <sighs> I, no, hey, hey, now listen. I think, <laughs> I think our our biggest problems collectively is two people that cover MLS two sides of organizations that very much have a plan for those MLS two sides, but not one that favors consistency. Is trying to figure out what actually to talk about every week. That's <laughs> yes, that's very very true. So uh, I think. Uh, right now, yeah. I mean, we're in different spots in the standings, but we're looking we at the are. same exact uh, inconsistency around the same <laughs> same point in the season. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, your side has always had a little bit better, um, uh, I don't know, luck with filling in holes and things. Yeah, fair. For one reason or the other. So. Yeah, fair. Um, you know, I think for a little while there, uh-huh. things were going pretty smoothly. You saw okay. you, had, you had good wins over St. Louis, yeah. who I thought started the season really well, but has obviously dropped off. Uh, but, you know, three losses in the last five matches. What, what's been the particular issue with you guys? I know for us, uh, the first team was decimated by the Gold Cup, mm, so mm-hmm. a lot of those players were missing. Same thing mm-hmm. with, with uh, your side? Um, man, not so much, uh, as far as the gold cup went, I mean, for the union, like Dre was out and, um, I think Shiva, uh, Jimoy Topi was out for, for Bethlehem with Jamaica as well. But I honestly like looking at the schedule and just looking at some of the results, it seems like the, the overwhelming issue was playoff teams. Uh, which is weird. I mean, and and like like nineteen points from eighteen games, I think, is what it comes down to uh, for Steel, which is not a great clip. And yeah, I mean, like you're saying, so it was you know in, in March, early April, it's a two two draw against Pittsburgh. It's a four three win against Swope Park. It's a three one win against Charleston. Uh, you know, and and then there's just some goofy. It's like three three against Loudon, two one loss to Charlotte when they weren't making any noise, like. Draw Louisville, and then last match against Red Bull two, you guys smacked us four nothing, and then lose four one Nashville. 
Like it's it's just the team's all over the park, and and really this year has kind of been um, Ernst Tanner coming in. It's his vision of the squad now. There's none of those guys that they had the last couple of years, like Santi Moore or Chris Danko or Drew Gundrich or Matt Mahoney, where they were draft picks or whatever, and that kind of helped round out the team and maybe gave it you know some more legitimacy or guys that have been professionals or played at the college level, like it's a lot more U19s and things like that. And it definitely feels like it's just a lot more of a proving ground for some guys that, you know, are showing well, um, but it's not conducive to getting results, I suppose. Yeah, I think we have absolutely seen that in stretches with the Red Bulls too, because you have those guys who could be, you know, strong USL uh, type players mm-hmm. who stick around for the long haul, but because of the vision of looking to get them through uh, that system in sort of mm-hmm. a timely manner and then uh, up to MLS yep. level, it kind of leaves you in sort of a, a it, it can end up as a mediocre season uh, at times, especially against teams that aren't necessarily playing to, to be promoted a la FC mm-hmm. uh, Cincinnati, but that are able to put together really strong teams that yes. have a lot of those players that that you know make an impact at the USL level. Right. So what what's the storyline heading into this match for you guys? Oh man. Um you got to score. Like I it's such a bizarre. Like these last couple of matches I don't even know how much you can take away from cuz obviously like shut out against Red Bull, got one against Nashville. And then three against St. Louis, one against Tampa, three against Hartford, what, nothing against Pittsburgh. <laughs> so I, I, I just like, and I mean, James Chambers had himself quite the month of June. Like he played very well. Um, I think we've seen flashes of, of why the organization's so excited with Ferris. Um, I think Benefemu is, is still a really solid center back. Um, you know, Shivani Wills is is right up there. Like Issa Rayon's played well. Zach Zandi's looked good. Michi's looked good. Walter Cortez kind of came into his own a little bit. Um, I just think they need to take the second half and just sort of figure out their identity, which is which is admittedly really difficult to do, especially with the rotation and all those things. And, and, you know, you saw Matt Real and Anthony Fontana play like five minutes for the first team um, last weekend and they made an immediate impact. So like stuff like that's kind of interesting and intriguing when it comes to the USL side. Um, But really just, you know, and I've always said like winning is a huge part of development as well as minutes. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. So just, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that this team has to make the playoffs or anything, but just show a little more, have a little more fight maybe at some times and, and, you know, at least be a team that other teams aren't like, oh, easy enough, you know, when, when you get a play. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. So when I look at Steel and I yeah. look at the results and it's specifically in the, the teams that you guys had your last three losses against – those are the teams that tend to pack numbers back and really kind of, you know, uh, look for opportunities on the break, get in behind, but keep things really compact, especially Nashville and Pittsburgh. Yeah. So 
you know, a lot of the the issues that you guys are experiencing are things that the Red Bulls experience too, because when teams sit back against them and they have mm. to break them down, they can really, you know, uh, bang their head against the wall. The last yes. two games that we played <laughs> against Ottawa and Charleston, they're up a man for a huge part of that match, and they yeah. look like they are not, and that is definitely problematic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think... You know, at times with the way that both these teams play, and it's true at the MLS level too, yeah. uh, they want to get those transition moments. They're very mm-hmm. uh, good at sort of, you know, uh, spreading out defenses and, and finding runners underneath at times. Uh, but you can negate that a little bit if you force them to try to pass through you. Yeah, yeah, and it is funny that it is, and and I mean, I guess. I guess, I mean, neither of us are surprised that it's a thing at the yeah. organizational <laughs> level because you just play the way that you play. And it, if it works, it's great. If it doesn't, it, it sucks. But um, it is just really funny, like, the amount of hot and cold that both these teams are capable of. Because, like, on their day, New York Red Bull 2 are a wonderful reminder of why they've won the USL championship before. Uh, and not on their day, New York Red Bull 2 and, and Beth Lammer in this group as well are a wonderful reminder of why people want MLS 2 teams to be shot into the sun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's high risk, high reward for both organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's turn our attention to the, the macro side of this because, you know, we, we touched on a little bit uh, talking about Matt Real and Anthony Fontana. But just it seems to me that uh, at the MLS level, the union is now starting to get uh, a lot more benefit from Bethlehem Steel than maybe I think uh, is being broadcast. I think that a lot of these these depth players are becoming invaluable assets, and you know the union their record shows why it's important to have those types of guys on the team. Yeah, it's still weird to me if the union are like good <laughs> in. In July, right? Um, yeah, and it's it's I, I, well. So if you look at it, like the second goal the Union got uh, against Orlando City, like at the death, it was Anthony Fontana feeding Matt Real, who almost actually found it to Fontana again, but Casper Shvilka with some uh, some striker theft. <laughs> and he put the ball in the net. Right. Uh, and it was pointed out all three of those guys opening day this season played for Bethlehem Steel. Uh, which is terrifying to me. Yeah. It's like that was this year. That was not last year. It, you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, USL and, and we've seen it. Uh, obviously, Red Bull have done the same thing with guys like, uh, you know, t- uh, Tyler Adams, whoever that is. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Or, you know, Alex Mule or Ben Mines or, you know, there's guys in, in both these organizations or with, you know, with, with the union, Austin Trustee, Mark McKenzie, Matt Real, uh, Anthony Fontana, Brendan Aronson showed way more than anyone was expecting him to. Um, Corey Burke, you, know, you got to talk about Corey Burke. Corey Burke. Well, I mean, I know he's he's sort he's of in a, a weird uh, netherworld right now, but he's not welcome back in the country. Yeah, present. So that's why I didn't really think about it. But Corey <laughs> Burke, um, you know, Sergio Santos has a game. Um, like it. So it's both teams are using their USL sides and their two sides to get people ready for MLS. And while I think that. 
both of us kind of agree that the shelf life of which they move through guys can be a little harsh. Um, it, you know, it has its purpose, and we're seeing that in both organizations. But yeah, with the union, I mean, it's Matt Real, obviously Austin Trusty, Jack Elliott was a steel guy. Like pretty much everyone on on the union roster that's not Harris Madunian and Alejandro Bedoya, Andre Blake, or um, Kai Wagner were like steel guys. Yeah, and I think and, if you look at uh, the team, maybe not totally across the league, but a lot of the teams that are doing mm-hmm. well or like starting to turn around. Uh, dry spells uh, have some amount of of USL uh, representation, mm. so I think that is yeah. really awesome, and it's nice to well, see. Well, and, and I, I mean, FC Dallas is another great example of that. Um, you know, getting into because they've always had a really great academy, and then they get into the game with North Texas. You know, with Ronaldo Damas, who's lighting up League One right now, you see, you know, DC United has a USL championship side. So clearly they think something about it. You know, there's a couple whispers going around that uh, Chicago Fire are going to look at affiliating with Indy 11. Like, it, it's very interesting to me the amount of MLS teams that are now kind of going, yeah, we should do that. Yeah, I think for me, the moment where I realized. Uh, I mean, I, I already knew how important USL was for the sure. Red Bulls, but in terms of uh, MLS teams recognizing the importance of USL, the moment for me that that really uh, hit its peak was listening to Patrick Vieira after uh, the Red Bulls had, had just beaten NYCFC, mm-hmm. and he was you know going on and on about how there's you know no path for their yes. young players to get that time, and yeah, yeah it was just a great moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, do you, uh, for a variety of reasons, I imagine. Of course. Uh, do you want to try to make a prediction about uh, what we're going to see in this match? Like 10 to 5 Red Bull 2 would be crazy, but <laughs> not unexpected. I don't think um, they're going to score that many. We'll see. I, it'll be – I well, and, uh, you know, you and I are recording this. Well, I don't even know what day it is. Tuesday? Monday? Tuesday, we're, still, Monday. we're still on Monday. We're good. Great. We're still on Monday. The match is on Wednesday. I'm sure uh, Wolniak and Burke won't know their lineups until Tuesday at about 10.30. So – uh, sorry, PM. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, any kind of, I mean, James Chambers will probably see the field. Benefamu will probably get on. That's about all I got. Yeah. I, I we have some, I, I have some idea about what the sure. lineup will look like, but up top is always a real guess for us. Like, oh, yeah. Jorgensen's been playing there quite a bit, but uh, he's also now seemingly a little bit closer to MLS plans. So I don't know mm-hmm. if we're going to see him. And every time you get a, a striker on the Red Bulls, who's doing well at all, he's been pulled up to uh, the MLS side. Tom Barlow starts off the year, you know, yes. scoring at a ridiculous pace. He's gone. Yep. Brian White, obviously last year. So Jorgensen's got, I think six or seven goals under his belt now. So he'll be gone back to MLS soon. Yeah. Uh, so frustrating. Um, ten to five is what you say. I like that. Uh, yeah. What I mean, who? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone listens to this, they're just listening to it because they need something to listen to. They're not here. Hopefully, they're out here for like deep tactical analysis of what either of these teams are going to do, given how they uh, how they build out their roster. That's true. You know, you could you could look back and review what they did, but it's really hard to to predict the future. The preseason shows are always like I don't even know why we're <laughs> we're doing sure. these. Yeah. You hey, know. we have five guys on our team technically. Yeah. So here, yeah. here we go. We get some player identification. This year right. was like crazy because like none of those games were uh, 
uh, yeah. streamed for a while. Yeah, so it yeah. was like yeah. just completely shooting in the dark. You're just kind of like looking at the U18, U19 setup and you're like, all right, probably all these kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, before I let you go, talk to yeah. us a little bit. You had a, a really cool thing happening last month. Uh, I, I caught an episode uh, that you did with Austin Deleuze. It was out in the crowd, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, North Carolina FC captain and midfielder Austin Deleuze is a, is a friend of, of the USL show. And, and awkwardly enough, when this happens with soccer players, a friend of mine. Um, and uh, so he asked me if I wanted to do a little something for him. He runs the uh, Playing for Pride campaign. Um, I know... Benefimu, Zach Zandy, and James Chambers did it on the steel side of things. I believe – I know Ben Mines for sure yeah, did ben it because he did last year, and I thought it was crazy that there was like a 16-year-old doing that. Um, but it's uh, it's all about uh, partnering up with Athlete Ally and trying to raise money for uh, awareness and inclusiveness and, and uh, just kind of visibility for LGBTQ plus folks uh, with a soccer slant. And so Austin uh, wanted to know if I wanted to do an interview series called Out in the Crowd, and I said I sure would. But the catch was that he had to interview me uh, first about my experiences coming out and being gay and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then I got to interview a couple of, uh, of wonderful people um, that I knew or that, that we know through uh, through mostly the Feed the Beautiful Game Network of, of podcasts and things. Um, so definitely go check that series out. It was really uh special for me to be able to do that it's always crazy when a pro athlete comes to you and tells you to do something um and he's more nervous to do it than you are so that was uh, a nice little role reversal um you check all that stuff out playing for pride on twitter uh and there's a link to donate there i think they're like super close to their twenty thousand dollar goal so if they could hit that before next week that'd be amazing Yes, get out there and absolutely donate to that, guys. It's a truly worthy cause. What, what during that series? What's the yeah. thing that that maybe surprised you the most? Uh, I, I mean, any any of the of the support and things that I got from anybody really was was really interesting. Um, but I mean, just that whole campaign in and of itself is really interesting because Austin just runs that by himself. Like I think a lot of people. Uh, think that that's something that he like sets up and then North Carolina FC's communications people go out and use their avenues and things like that. But it's all very grassroots. Uh, and there was players from literally all over the world. I know it was every, uh, every pro league in the, in the U S is represented. Uh, the NPSL was represented. There was a bunch of U uh, S women's national team players that, that, uh, that were involved. So just the scope of everything and all that, uh, especially when it's only one guy, um, is really cool. And, and just to be able to play a, a small part in that by interviewing some people and getting to talk about how soccer being an accepting community has really helped some people through, through some tough times as, uh, was, was really, um, I'm a lucky boy to be able to do that for sure. That is really, really awesome. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to do that. And a great story. I love uh, Austin from the time that he was drafted with the Red Bulls. I thought yes. he, he and Tony Chani were going to have a yeah. long career at New York, and that evaporated. He is uh, he is definitely one of the one of the good ones. I mean the the I should I should the USL is a league full of very very kind soccer players, but Austin for sure is is definitely someone that will. Uh, certainly take the time out of his day to talk to you regardless of of where or when that is so 
very happy to be able to do that for him. And, and it was very much a, a genuine uh, ask on his part, which is always nice. Yes, indeed. That is great. Evan, uh, I'm going to let you go now. Thank you so hey, much thanks, for man. coming on. I really Anytime, appreciate it. Anytime, Joe. Anytime. And when we come back, we're going to finish out our Beth Steele preview. We're going to preview the match against Atlanta United 2 this weekend. So stick around. And we're back with our final segment. We've got two matches to preview this week. Tonight's match or tomorrow's match. If you listen to this tonight, you know, good on you, but most likely <laughs> it's tomorrow uh, against Bethlehem Steel. Bethlehem came into MSU Soccer Park a couple of weeks ago and left uh, worse for the wear. They lost 4 nothing. They did not look like they were in the match at all. Uh, they've been a little bit inconsistent. Overall, they're 5-9-4 and four on the season. Away, they're 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. At home, they're 2-6-3. and three. Figure that out, if you will. So somehow they are more easy. They're an easier team to beat at home than they are on the road. It doesn't make any sense, but here we are. Their players uh, are fantastic. I think they've got a lot of really good um, pieces in there, but not necessarily uh, consistent, which we've seen as well with uh, the New York Red Bulls too. Who's going to be playing in this match? We have no idea. Uh, Mumbagna. Uh, he's got four, five goals and 14 appearances for them right now. Uh, obviously, we're not going to be seeing Kasper Spilko. Uh, Michi Galina may or may not play. It's definitely tough to get a good idea of who's going to be out there. Um, but, you know, I think this is a team that over the last couple of years, the Red Bulls had definitely struggled against. Since it hasn't really, you know, or so far this season, that is obviously not the case. I think that they're going to be able to keep this going. And a lot of it has to do with the, how poor um, Bethlehem's uh, offense slash defense has been really over the last month, or at least inconsistent. They lost 4-1 four, four, to, to Nashville and then beat St. Louis 3-1 a couple of days <laughs> later. Then lost 2-1 to one to Tampa Bay, then beat Hartford 3 nothing. And then lost. It was a Bob Lilly special, a one nothing loss on the fourth of July. Joe, looking at this match this week, what are we going to get from either of these sides? Well, I think you're going to get a classic Bethlehem Red Bulls game where Red Bulls are going to look to try and control the game. Bethlehem's going to look to hit them on the counter. Um, I wonder if uh, Red Bull two can break the so-called um, winless streak against them because they have not won the last three times they've gone there. Um, I think they've had one draw and two losses. Um, but, I, I mean, the first game I think is a bit of an outlier because uh, we know that Bethlehem was severely, like, they couldn't even fill out their bench that week when they, were, when they came to MSU earlier this year. So, I mean, the thing is, I, I would lean towards... Uh, Red Bull 2 taking this, but they've kind of, the way they've been playing of late, I mean, they haven't been playing that well. I mean, I know Bethlehem, except for the win against St. Louis, they really haven't been playing that well at home, and they, they've get, conceded a lot of goals this year. I don't, I don't think their back line's necessarily as good as it's been in years past, but they're, the Red Bulls are going to have to, you know, they can't go into this game and think that this team isn't, you know, what they what they have been in years past because they're still a threat on the counter, and as we've seen, that's what teams kind of thrive off of 
with Red Bulls too. And that's how most teams get their goals. Yeah. I want to see the Red Bulls come out in this match. I want to see them play a four, four, two, um, with Kofi and Lima in the middle, uh, just to give them a little bit more uh, control and possession. I uh, see Stroud out wide and then up top because it's midweek and because we're not really sure what's happening with Jorgensen yet. You know, the first team is bringing three forwards with them to Atlanta and I'm not really sure, or they brought three forwards with them to Atlanta and I'm not really sure uh, what the, the deal is with that. Uh, but I can't imagine that's going to continue. Um, so I would expect that uh, Matias would be with this team, but I'm not 100% sure. And if he's not, I want to see a tandem forward of Elney and Amarildo and see what those guys can do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it should be, I mean, like you mentioned with the first team bringing three forwards, I, I can't see them doing that again and keeping three forwards. So I'm um, hoping Matias, I'm either hoping Matias and Elney or Matias and Amarildo, like you said. Uh, Amarildo, like you said, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I like to see maybe um, Stroud. I think Ben Mines has kind of earned a start. And um, I definitely think Lima and Zayat should be in the midfield. And then I think you keep, I think you bring, uh, you give Janos to start and you pretty much keep the back line outside of uh, replacing Janos the same. Uh, but yeah, they have to come out right away, pretty much establish themselves, get a goal early. I think they'll, they'll maybe put Bethlehem they'll kind of put Bethlehem off. That's what they did last time. And they were able to see out an easy win. Fair. Very fair. Uh, let's get a prediction from you then. What's, what's the score going to be? <sighs> um, hmm. Boy, I've been bad at this prediction stuff this year. So, um, I'm going to say a two, one Red Bulls two win. I think that's very fair. I'm going to agree with you. It's a two, one win for the Red Bulls. Beth Steele just, uh, there's something that isn't quite clicking. It doesn't mean they're not bringing along a lot of good players, but I don't see them getting a result in this one. But who knows? Uh, You can never (laughs) tell with this league. The other match this week, Atlanta United 2. The Red Bulls did beat them a couple weeks ago. And soundly, with a team that was mostly made up of academy players, uh, it was kind of a crazy match. Atlanta United 2 is 3-9-4 on the season. Uh, two of those wins came at home and one on the road, one, three, and four away from home. They have lost four in a row and are 0, 4, and 1 in their last five matches. Their losses in that group, it starts with uh, that 3 1 loss to the Red Bulls that I mentioned earlier 5 nothing against Pittsburgh, 1 nothing against Indy, 2 to 1 against Loudoun. Uh, rounding that out. Oh, wait, I said it started with that, but it actually, in that five-game span, there was a 1-1 draw with Charleston uh, at the top of that. We know everything that we're going to know about Atlanta. They have a talented team. One thing that I wonder about heading into this match, um, it, the the senior team, Atlanta United, is now, they're playing midweek for the U.S. Open Cup. They're playing again on the weekend, I think. I could be wrong about that. Uh, But it's been just a grind for them. And guys like Brandon Vasquez are playing a part with the the senior team. And I wonder how often uh, we're going to see that continue. Romario Williams is gone. He's not with Atlanta anymore. He has moved on to Columbus. Brandon Vasquez is with the first team. So who's going to be getting it done up top for them? 
you know, it's it's a very good question. Uh, John Gallagher, I don't expect uh, you know a ton from. He's still a young guy. He's done well, but uh, I don't think that he's really in the same um, conversation with guys like Romario Williams or Brandon Vasquez. So uh, attacking wise, I think they're going to struggle. And we know what the Red Bulls can do against a team like Atlanta United when they try to come out and attack. And if you can if you can rotate this team well. I think this should be easy points at home. What are your thoughts, Joe? Uh, I think we're going to see something similar to the game last year at, uh, at Montclair State uh, where they basically just have their way with them. Uh, I don't think Atlanta's kind of on par with Red Bull 2 right now. Uh, Atlanta 2 is on par with them. I think this this if if they get a result in Bethlehem tomorrow or today if you're listening, uh, I think that they will be hungry and they will come out and, e- and get an easy result um, against Atlanta, much like they did earlier in the season and much like they did last year. Yeah, that's very fair. What? Um, uh, oh man, they really whooped on them. What was it six? Six one. Six one. Jesus. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see that level of domination. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess it depends on who's with the first team for uh, the Hudson River. Derby, I hate calling it that. It's Derby uh, <laughs> this weekend. Um, it could be, it could be really interesting depending on on who's going to be with the first team. I do think that this is going to be a lopsided victory. But what what's the scoreline going to be, Joe? I'm going to say four one Red Bulls too. Four one. Oof. I'm going to say three nothing. Maybe they give up one. Three one. I'll get. I'll say three one. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're prone to a mistake or so in the back. I just don't know. Like Atlanta United, they have a talented team, but uh, these are all still young guys. They're they're not really you know largely breaking into the first team just yet. I mean, everybody knows the ultra talented Andrew Carlton. Uh, there was some eye rolling going on. I don't know if you I could feel that a place for this team. And yeah, he could pull the strings or maybe make something happen, but. There's just not a, a ton around them. Uh, Laurent Kasaidu uh, leading the team with assists. Anderson Kasaidu all uh, you know right up there, but it, Laurent Kasaidu is leading this team with three assists. That points to a, an offense that is struggling. Yeah, <laughs> I guess is the right way to say it. Put it lightly. I, I think I think that's fair. I I don't. I, they really haven't. They really haven't put anything together. I mean, early in the season, they were impressive, but uh, I mean, they've scored less goals than Hartford this year. Yeah. So I will say, uh, you know, in their defense, if you look at the stat leaders for Red Bull 2, Tom Barlow is still the top goal scorer this season, hasn't played with the team in like two months. Matias Jorgensen mm-hmm. is just behind him with six goals, Jared Stroud with five, Kyle Zayetz is the fourth best on the team scoring he's got four goals Derek Etienne is uh, a three goal scorer for this team so that's the top five Derek Etienne who does not play for this team <laughs> really uh Matthias Jorgensen who's you know I can kind of making his way and Tom Barlow who doesn't really play for this team anymore <laughs> so <laughs> yeah the stats don't always tell the full story Jared Stroud leading the team he's got five assists then Marcus Epps three Andreas Ivan, he's played two matches, has two assists, and again, you probably won't see him very often. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, 
three, one. Yeah. All right. We made our predictions there. I got one other thing I want to talk to you about. Okay. Um, I didn't mention this before we started, so it was something that came to me while we were doing this. But every year in this transfer window, uh, or at least it seems like that every year since maybe 2016, 2017, uh, the Red Bulls are leaning on the Red Bulls 2 as one of at least one of the signings that they make uh, during the summer window comes from the Red Bulls 2. We know today that Florian Velo has uh, received his green card. He is no longer mm-hmm. an international player, does not take up an international roster spot. So there's a little bit more wiggle room. Who on the Red Bulls 2, a Red Bulls 2 player, not a uh, MLS guy who is uh, loaned down, who on the Red Bulls 2 will be signed in this window by the Red Bulls? Huh. Hmm. I'm going to say Reese Buckmaster for outside for outside back. Uh, They need they need they need help. They need more depth on the outside. That brings up something that I also want to talk about, which is outside back uh, help. There are some very, very light whispers, and I have been unable to get any confirmation on this. But Edgardo Rito might be one of those guys. Uh, I did forget about Edgardo. I in. Yeah, I mean they'll probably it's, let re- they probably it's got to be somebody on uh, from an outside back position because I mean they they maybe could you know maybe I I don't know if Zayats is ready to make that jump I don't think no, so I yet don't think so um and I but I know they I know they need help in um at to you know because no one's really replaced Tyler Adams this year um, Caceres has done an okay job but I don't think he was ready yet. And, uh, I mean, I don't think there's anyone from the two team, but they definitely need help, uh, on the outside back because if God forbid, you know, Kamar or, uh, Marulo, something happens to them, um, they need help. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I'll give, um, Reese a more of an edge than Edgardo, even though we know that international player spot is open because it's a lot easier to stomach that an international spot is taken up by, or sorry, <laughs> an international spot is taken up by a starter, uh, is where I was going with that, than a depth player. So uh, give Reese the edge there. Although I'm not sure that we're going to see either of those guys in MLS this season, which is fun to think about. And yeah, across the rest of the team, other guys that I think might be able to do it. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe Jordan. No, maybe Jordan. No, but uh, but but they've but, already got I, I, four center backs. I don't yeah. think they're going to be signing another one of those. Yeah. I, um, I mean, may, maybe Jared. Maybe they take Jared. I, I don't know. The last thing they need on the first team right now is another winger. <laughs> I, I know, I know, but I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I well, I was kind of leaning towards Jared playing maybe the ten role a little bit more, but I don't think I don't think he's fully grown into that position yet. And uh, now, now with Beza back too, I think the first yeah. team is going to look at him when there's uh, him or Omir um, or Mark Shikoski. Like, there's already a lot of guys who yeah. I think are are capable of stepping in there. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see anybody else except for maybe uh, they they just need help on the at, at outside back, and I think that's probably the best idea right now is to promote one of those guys. Yep, I think that that's true. Uh, that brings us. To the end of our show. Uh, yes, it's a little bit truncated this week, 
um, but it is late. <laughs> and uh yeah that's how we're gonna do it if you want to follow us on twitter i'm at underscore joe goldstein i am at jstein 15 and if you'd like to follow the show and we hope you do we are at raising bull cast that's one bull raising bull cast and of course that's on twitter as i said you can also follow red bulls news network on twitter at rb news network or go to rbnn.us to see our written work and uh, many other writers, talented writers, writing about the Red Bulls and Red Bulls 2 and international teams and so on and so forth. You can go to RaisingBulls.com uh, to see where we keep all of our episodes. You can write us questions there at questions at RaisingBulls.com. You can find us at Facebook.com slash RaisingBulls. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Find us, rate us, review us. It does help people. And of course... Uh, if we're not on the service uh, of your choice, let us know and we'll we'll figure out how to get there. We're brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network at BGN.FM, covering MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL with a ton of great podcasts and written work. I always uh, read off just the USL podcast, but I think I should also mention League One Fun, uh, which covers the USL League One. The, the hosts uh, are tremendously uh, well-versed in statistical knowledge uh, of the League One players and teams. So I highly recommend giving that a check. Uh, and of course, the USL show had me on today, so I'll give them a shout. Backyard Footy, The Last Line, Bethlehem Blast Furnace, Birmingham Backline, Backchat, Sirius Loco, or Seriously Loco, Foxtrot Pod, and so much more. They're at BGN.FM. That's the beautiful game network at BGN.FM. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Golden Goal Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And of course, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself... Mr. Joe Steen and for Evan Villella, thank you so much and have a great night. Thanks.